0: Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To get even more content from me and Andrew, sign up for the Focus Compounding app. The Focus Compounding app costs $7.95 a month. It comes with a bunch of 2,000-word articles from me each week, a fresh batch of five-minute videos from the both of us, along with one bonus extra-long episode of the podcast each Saturday, and immediate access to our complete backlog of 200-plus episodes. To sign up, go to FocusC.com/slash. App or wherever apps are sold. And now here's Andrew with your regularly scheduled podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Cannon. Jeff, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you doing? Doing great. We hope everyone is doing great. So I subscribed to something new this week, and that mm-hmm. is the Dallas Morning News. Really? I was like, I live in Dallas. I understand. I I see this every single day. Mm -hmm. I should become more knowledgeable on what's going on in my city. Okay. And really because I like reading the business section Mm -hmm. to read about like what's going on and stuff like that. But that gave me the idea to talk about gaining a regional edge. Okay. Munger has talked about before how someone he knows, I think he invested within maybe a 10 mile radius, his whole career in real estate in California. And he became very wealthy. And it's this idea of like concentration, specialization, Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, what you're investing in and how you could really have a great edge over other investors. I actually have an uncle, very similar situation. He Mm -hmm. flips houses. But he only does it within like a five-mile radius, his whole yeah. career. And he's built up a pretty significant amount of wealth doing so. So this whole concept of gaining regional edge is something that is very interesting to me. We've talked about Greenbrick Partners right. um, a lot on you know the website. Mm-hmm. We've also used it talking about it on the podcast. That's a company here that has really grown. Yeah, You've invested in Frost. True. We talked about lobbies. I mean, there's just a bunch of different right. situations where we're like, well, there's a lot of stuff that we could do research on in person. So we should definitely go and kick the tires and, you know, look to Mm -hmm. study the company more. So I'm just kind of curious to hear about your thoughts on gaining a regional edge. Should investors really start to try to focus more on companies that are maybe around them more? And like, what are your thoughts on that? Right, you could. Now,
0: we're incredibly high in that and I actually so people that don't know exactly Andrew lives in Dallas I do not live in Dallas we always talk about it as if we're in that area I don't ever go into Dallas um but I happen to live in a place that's like tons of corporate headquarters and things it's DFW area though but yeah but I the place I live was originally built as meant to be headquarters for national mm-hmm. um corporations and stuff and then later they Frito put
1: Lea, in Dr. Pepper JC JC Penny yeah yeah all those things
0: um so Cinemark yeah yeah so um the, the things we're mentioning i can if there were another I'm building pinpointing. Right here, I, could, I could see <laughs> they right. know exactly where i'm, I'm right just right pinpointing now. your location everybody <laughs> um yeah uh but but anyway um so there's a ton that happened to be around here right so like um uh We mentioned before, you know, Main Event and Dave & Buster's and stuff. They're both there. Uh, You had mentioned JCPenney, but there's also, in actual Dallas, there's Neiman Marcus and stuff. There's two airlines here, or one airline, and, you know, there are two that use this yeah, basically this, yeah. yeah. Um, And all those sorts of things, in addition to many other things. We were talking about a stock... Uh, recently where I was just kind of joking about it or whatever because I had read they're kind of a little bit promotional stuff and I had read all of their press releases and what I found fascinating is that the company is clearly in the colony which is not that close to Dallas I um, and uh, so it's even further than where uh, than where I am in yeah. Dallas and um, none of its press releases mention anything other than yeah. dallas you yeah. think it's in the middle of dallas it's
1: in a jeff and know. i meet up somewhere mm-hmm. every single week that's like right next to it yep. so sometimes when we're talking about this company i'm like looking around i'm like they've, never mentioned, that they're in, they've yeah. never mentioned that they're in the colony so i find that fascinating about that company because the dallas address sounds better or what yeah well why is that a fraud though i mean on all their statements it's like i mean the address is well, there. their colony the, but they you on know. the sec
0: stuff it says the colony Right. Yeah. But what I mean is they all, they always say that their Dallas comp- company and the press um, in their investor presentations and stuff, their press releases and stuff. What I, why I find that fascinating is it has to do with regional differences and stuff is to understand that their distance in many ways and stuff is further um, from Dallas than many of the things I knew growing up is from New York City. Yet, because of regional differences and things, no one in New Jersey ever referred to New York as being where they're from or anything. There's a huge difference between the two places. They wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. So you could see the New York skyline and you would <laughs> never say that we're basically in New York. You wouldn't put yeah, press releases that say
1: New York. Yeah. Um, see, but I wonder if that's a different thing, though, because in Illinois, for example, there's a lot of people say, I'm from Chicago. Right. Even yes. if you're 40 minutes outside of the city. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. So I don't know what that what that means. I mean, California. I've heard people say L.A. area, and then they're in like you know, you know, Orange County or Santa Monica. Yeah, well, you know. we have an interesting one here. I think in we've
0: like what I was just explaining is people all around the country talk about Dallas, Fort Worth, and I've said before to you, I think Fort Worth is much less connected with Dallas. It's cowtown than um, than some of the suburbs that have developed a lot north of there. Uh, of Dallas, um, so like you know, we're talking about like Plano as a suburb of of da- of Dallas and stuff. Plano is a city of like three hundred thousand people. I really live basically on the border with Frisco, so I've given away where I live, nice, um, which is a diff- very different part of Plano from a part of Plano that was developed earlier. But that's actually very far from Dallas in many ways, but I think is more connected to it mm-hmm. in terms of where people are commuting back and forth and all those things than Fort Worth, which. Has some independence from from Dallas that way. The two have, work a little bit differently, and we talked about it when we talked to a business in Fort Worth. Where they're they're talking a lot about the difference between Dallas and Fort Worth
1: that way, yeah. Yeah, I think they told me don't ever tell this person you're from Dallas or blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, but no, even like Houston. Not to mm-hmm. harp so much on Texas, but Houston, San Antonio, they're totally different. Austin, no. Dallas, Fort Worth, sure, everyone. Well, they separate metros. So, metro so different, yeah, so different. They have
0: no overlap in those metros. They yeah. just happen to all be in in Texas. Mm-hmm. But that would be like saying San Francisco versus uh, Los Angeles or something like that. They happen to be in the same state. In New Jersey, the difference is New York and Philadelphia. Like mm-hmm. you were mentioning the New York thing. Um, that's the div- that's the division between the two metros
1: yeah mm-hmm. um but anyway so when i come across a company where i see and maybe it's like a more regional focus business mm-hmm. as well because maybe micro cap or smaller cap company i'm always like wow this is an interesting company that i want to learn about a because okay. i'm like well familiarity like you mm-hmm. know this is kind of around us or whatever but i think you could really gain a regional edge studying these companies that are around you right over other investors that may not know the area i mean you know dallas for example green brick partners they have a pretty unique business model right, right? they have the right backing Greenlight capital it wasn't a big mm-hmm. position but because of his phone, it's now become a pretty big position right. to him the ceo jim brickman we don't own green brick but we have mm-hmm. followed the company for a while he was a successful builder so you had all these you know you had the right capital base you had the right sort of business model mm-hmm. in an area where you and i live every single day and we know it's booming essentially mm-hmm. you know so it's like and i think a lot of people know that dallas is doing well but i don't know maybe if you live there sometimes it almost gives you more of a conviction if you see a stock sell off from like ten dollars to you know seven dollars when dan loeb comes out and is basically getting out of the company for you know whatever sure. you know what i'm saying like you mm-hmm. can almost gain better conviction sometimes if you're like well i live here and i see their brand basically everywhere right. building i know they have a good business model and they're pretty you know financially, the way they're capitalized is it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You could add more conviction to the thesis, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it adds confidence and stuff. And, um, I think people are more likely to hold things that are in their local area too. Um, and you could get more of a feel for what things are important in that area. I think like, for instance, living in this part of Texas or something, we would have a strong awareness compared to people in the rest of the country that energy is of very minimal importance. Uh, whereas I know from the rest of the country that people think energy is very important to all of Texas and it's a small part of the economy in mm-hmm. most of the metro areas you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, so you wouldn't become as worried about that kind of thing, I think. And I always say that about home countries that people have and stuff. The problem with making investment in other countries is, and this has been shown like all the time in crisis, when something happens worldwide, although you would think logically like world war one is a good example you'd think logically that everyone would have moved their money to the United States. Mm -hmm. Instead, everyone from Europe pulled their money towards what was a war that was starting there. That was unlikely to involve the U S in a big way because they brought it home. That's what you always do. So if there's a big disaster in in Japan and you're a Japanese investor, surprisingly, you bring it back to Japan. Mm -hmm. You don't suddenly move to, um, a far, you know, so the more uncertainty there is and stuff, the more people bring things home that way. Um, yeah, so Greenbrick is local to this area. Um, Homebuilder is a good example because I think uh, I talked in another podcast about how, like, I think you want to look for adverse information, the risk of adverse information. And the really big one with homebuilders and things is that you're buying into, with any sort of real estate and stuff, is that you're buying into like a bubble or something that's overvalued in that area or whatever. So, um, you know, that you visited things in that area and you become concerned about it. I mentioned a long, long time ago that I visited Ireland during their housing bubble Mm -hmm. was not at all looking at it as a market thing or whatever. But I mean, it was like, what's going on with housing in this country and the people in the country kind of had experienced it for a little while. So they, they were like, yeah, it's, I guess as a culture, we're really into houses or something or whatever. But I was seeing some really weird stuff that was really surprising. Um, not just in terms of prices, but in terms of some of the development and what it looked like and everything. And you it, it just gave you a real feeling for that. We were someplace where we we're talking about looking at all the cranes and stuff and whatever. Yeah. And it's that same sort of thing where it's like, okay, it gets you worried. It's like, okay, what is this? Why is this happening? And all of those sorts of things. And, and the same thing, like I was talking to someone in um, Brooklyn and I've mentioned this to you before, um, which I had some details on the, the um person's uh, uh financial situation, they're a landlord. And I was like, well, what would surprise you is they're they like it depends on what you mean by rich. Theoretically they're very rich. They've never been able to take much cash flow out of the building though. So because the the multiple on their apartment building is so high that they own um the you know the cap rate is so low, they are <coughs> Uh, asset rich, but they've always been cash poor and continue to be because of that. So they could sell and like, you know, move wherever else in the country and be done with it if they want to get out. But other than that, um, it just gives you an idea of how poor the yields are versus,
1: you know, some other types of investments around the world. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the big short when they go to Florida and Mm -hmm. they're with like the strippers or or, excuse me, exotic dancers. Yeah. And She's like, I own four homes or something like that, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, your your experience with going to Ireland or whatever, because you said that you were just like, this is crazy. What's going on here?
0: Yeah, and there are- You said it was
1: so obvious to you.
0: Yeah, bubbles can be like that. Um, Stock bubbles can be like that. Like I said, when people were trading like crazy in the 1990s, it actually got to such a point that it was people who would never talk to you about that would start Mm -hmm. mentioning it. Um, Definitely- with the real estate thing, that was absolutely true and how many people were talking about it and stuff. It became a topic of conversation. And even like I knew people who, um, yeah, you just like, there were things like, I mean, just stuff like there were some people doing closing stuff and things that were just like, they couldn't. I mean, one thing that I remember is there was this bank that was growing pretty fast and everything. And in an interview, they had asked about them, they were kind of local to an area. And they're like, well, what constrains your growth and stuff? Like, is it, you know, you know, your uh, how much earnings you retain, how much whatever. And they said, it's the number of um, loan officers we can have because we don't want to hire someone who's never made a loan before and teach them how to do it uh but we can make more loans but we just can't hire enough people fast enough to do this there's just not enough of them out there unless unless we basically do like just do what i said which is hire someone who's never been in banking and have them make loans immediately um that's a sign there's a bubble and things and that kind of thing like with real estate and stuff you can see in a local area mm-hmm. say. also things like you know retail type stuff restaurant type stuff whatever like you talked about dallas doing well and whatever yeah in the area that i live though um you can see signs of different problems they have like huge commercial vacancies since covid because it was a dallas too yeah because of a restaurant thing wiping out lots of mass extinctions of restaurants and stuff in the area um including i mean i won't say what companies they are but including like i see notices of default that the landlords locked them out and stuff on publicly traded companies um that they have their location so mm-hmm. you know um uh that's very serious and also like you get a feel for whether there's overbuilding and overconstruction, things that are residential or whatever things like that like i've you know the place i've lived in in terms of rents and things have been going up for you know whatever seven or eight years in a row mm-hmm. and then collapsed because they built too many um you know not built too many but built too much capacity in terms of new supply of residential building stuff, um, relative to what there had been. So like they started to build buildings that are, you know, five, six, seven times the size of the building that I live in. And once you do that, you can't absorb that much uh, inventory immediately. So it takes a year or something to work their way through that and stuff.
1: Yeah. And when I talk about regional, I mean like the, the main driver of the business is tied to the area. So, like, for example, Top Golf may be mm-hmm. here, but they have locations, I think, all over the country. I know they do in Illinois here. I've seen them elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. But it's like, for example, if you own a public company that owns a bunch of restaurants, for example, and they're all in Florida, right? right. That is a regional thing where, you know, like the downside, we're talking about all the upside of all this, right? right? But the other side of the coin is, you know, I've talked about Alaska Communications, for example, mm-hmm. that is very tied to the Alaskan economy, right? A company that owns a bunch of restaurants in Florida has been, I mean, could a hurricane come and, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> wipe the whole company out? Yes. Like that's some stuff that you have to mm-hmm. think about. So it's like the flip side, is how do you sort how do you sort of like judge that so for example Greenbrick partners we could stick with this mm-hmm. they're a home builder rates are going to stay low for some time okay the growth to dallas is still you know pretty high mm-hmm. but it's like at what point are you like okay this is getting into crazy territory how would you evaluate like a company like green brick like um you know alaska for example where their economy is very tied to the price of oil and oil is not doing well, you know, so people think maybe their economy is not going to do well. Like how do you sort of factor that into your regional analysis? For me,
0: the, the risk is more like that you're counting something as being normal when it's not versus the opposite, which is the trend is negative or whatever. So I really wouldn't be worried that much about like, say it is something in, in Alaska and it's tied to like, you know, government spending, oil stuff, tourism, things like that. Um, those things may rebound eventually. You know, if this is a particularly low point that you're looking at it, chances are you're going to be conservative with it because you're worried about that. So that's usually not the one that's hard to do. The one that's hard is to notice it's a bubble or to notice that it's doing particularly well and not to uh, not to buy into it and stuff, like, like a, you know, um, for that reason. So Greenberg Partners is a good example of something. It's like, well, is it a bubble? Things have gone up a lot, um, certainly, interest rates are down but like questions like okay well does this make sense in terms of um comparing what you can do comparing what it's like to rent versus what it's like to buy you know um in the area comparing things like what people's income levels are to what housing costs are and stuff so far uh to what houses are i should be careful about that uh you do want to be careful because if rates rise and stuff at some point which is possible um then the actual value of the house being too high versus someone's income is an issue. So if if you're like because mortgage rates are so low, you're like, oh, it's no big deal that you're buying a house that's, you know, um twice as expensive as before versus your actual income level, it kind of is a bit of a deal. It was like I was saying with the cap rate with the apartment building thing, because if cap rates move, then suddenly your your value is cut by a huge amount.
1: It's kind of like I was looking in California at a mm-hmm. bunch of different houses just because I was curious. And I felt like there were way more, you know, 500,000 to a couple million dollar houses than there are $100,000 paying jobs. Like I was just doing the math on it. I'm like, how do people afford to, unless you're like really killing Right. And the houses are obviously like smaller or whatever maybe not it's nice you're paying for different things i get it but people
0: people here spend less on it yeah so it is interesting so for instance uh people here have much more it depends on what area and stuff but have much higher disposable income for certain kinds of things because they spend a lot less on their housing however some people in some areas around here and stuff um may spend more on schooling Right. So there are trade-offs between that in different places. Um, whereas like where I grew up in New Jersey, no one spent anything on schooling because their school, their public schools were a lot better than the, than the private schools in the area and stuff. Um, so you have that. But then on the other hand, here, people put way more into cars, for instance. So you have a very different market that way. And you would get a different feel being here versus in other parts of the country, for example, on ideas about how well certain cars sell and whatever. You know, Like I mentioned before, I happen to live right by a Tesla thing. Teslas are the most common and boring cars in the world to me because like I was at a McDonald's and said, those are three of the exact Tesla, one, two, three after each other. It's not a good ad for Tesla. But when I go visit other parts of the country, I see one Tesla in the whole county. So it's totally different, but it's just, it sells into certain markets. If you were in California, you'd think electric cars were huge. Uh-huh. If you were in the middle of the country, you would think the electric cars don't exist.
1: An Uber picked me up the other day in a Tesla. Yeah. And it was my first time actually being in a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. Not going to lie. He was like doing the <laughs> autopilot mode when mm-hmm. we're driving. I'm like, are you supposed to be doing this as an Uber driver? But he was, he was showing me and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Um, but, okay, so bringing it back to, like, I guess, regional analysis or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, how would you typically think about it then? So, like, a Greenbreak or, like, a company that owns restaurant chains in Florida right. or uh, Frost or Alaskan Communications. I mean, if it's a regional business, then that is – there are some ties to the investment thesis for that, right. right? So, how would you think about, like, analyzing it? The first thing is not whether it's good versus bad. I think that's the big mistake. Like,
0: Buffett had a great investment – in a newspaper, in one of the slowest growth, I mean, negative growth type cities that you could have and stuff. Um, there wasn't a lot of growth in New Jersey when I bought into village supermarkets, but what there was is not a lot of competition coming in because you could look at it and see um, that the some of the predictions or some of the thoughts that people had about it, I thought weren't, weren't realistic. And we've talked about that before, but as an example, There was a lot of, like, well, Walmart's going to come in and be a big problem, and um, online's going to come in and be a big problem, things like that. And um, neither of those are realistic if you just, like, were in that area of the country, in the area of the state, about half the state, um, which is where they were concentrating and where I lived. Um, And to this day, Walmart's presence there is minimal. I mean, and, but you could predict that based on what works for a Walmart and what they were going to go into and stuff like that. And online's penetration is like nothing till COVID happened. Now, now there is some, um, but whenever you read
1: reports on these companies that point stuff out like that, inevitably they'll say, What's stopping a Walmart from coming in? That's the part that kills this investment thesis. So
0: it's like, how do you get over that? Right. Because now that I live in um, dense suburbs uh, of Dallas and stuff, the competition for the supermarket competition is extremely intense versus New Jersey. So it's much worse to own one here than in New Jersey. Now, people might think it's good because of the growth. But the problem is that I have like three times more options for supermarkets and may divide up my purchases more between them based on segmenting of the population and everything of of the the, uh, merchandise that they do and stuff, buying some from one and some from another and all of that. Um, It's very easy for them to build new things that have plenty of parking and stuff like that versus what they have there. So it's a total difference in terms of how the market works. And, you know, um, that... That's important in like, when we talk about certain kinds of businesses, a big one would be like casinos or something, right? So casinos are a really big one to get a feel for. There are a few destination casinos, you know, the things that are in Vegas and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, we're talking about things that are fairly regional if you're looking at casinos. So it's very hard for me to evaluate them unless you know two things about the local area, which is like the makeup of who their customer base is and everything, get more of a feel for the local area. So someone has a huge advantage of investing casino in the local area than you do. Um, because we usually know nothing about these places where they are. And then two regulation and also the attitude of people in the state and stuff and what that will mean. Um, it could be easier to predict certain things about regulation in the long run. Um, in some states, if you had like a good understanding of that state of whether they would, you know, make that change and stuff. I mentioned New Jersey and stuff, New Jersey apparently uh, recently I think just banned, um, any kind of uh, disposable shopping thing. So, as an example, for supermarkets, so you would have to use reusable bags and stuff. That's a lot more likely in New Jersey. Really? Yeah. That's wow. a lot more like It hasn't, I don't know when it'll come into effect and stuff. But so some have banned like plastic or whatever. Uh-huh. So, yeah, apparently they banned all of it. Um, so, but that's something that doesn't surprise me about New Jersey or whatever. Whereas things about Texas and stuff, you could imagine what things would be different that way. And if people are, you know, have general images of, states and whatever. I think th- that's the other one. That's a really big thing is in general. I find, um, it, you want to like visit these places or live in them to have a better feel for what's really going on as a, the, the image that people in very rural places have people in cities and people in cities have very rural areas can be extremely, um, different than what's really going on, I would say. I mean, we spent some time in West Virginia and stuff. Images of West Virginia that people have from other places are probably inaccurate from understanding like a business perspective, I feel like. Um, And vice versa. People in West Virginia definitely have an inaccurate view of like what goes on in a city type
1: place, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, what is a city? Move over to the big city.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, but that's (laughs) the other thing that we talked about metro areas and stuff. One thing that's interesting is um, like for me coming from New Jersey and stuff, New Jersey's part of a expanse there's another one on the West coast and stuff, but an expanse that runs basically from, I'd say Washington DC to Boston, uh, roughly. I mean, now it goes beyond that. It goes to the suburbs of Boston, the suburbs of Washington DC, um, on a North South basis and out, um, into the country to the extent of about Philadelphia. That is really all just one big thing. And so if you're in that area, there is not really rural space between that. It's this suburban sprawl, this strip across that whole thing, spanning many states and stuff other parts of the country are much more centered on specific urban areas that we're talking about. Like when we talk about Fort Worth or something, Fort Worth is close to bumping into stuff with Dallas and whatever, but is more of its own thing. Like we said, there are other parts of the country that we've visited, which are micropolitan and that's very important. So like we visit places that are, they're the regional center for that County or whatever. They have the Walmart, the tractor supply company, the home Depot, uh, the Outback Steakhouse and the Arby's and the whatever. And much of the rest of the County doesn't have that. And so everything comes to it. It's actually a very small city, but what's interesting about that, of course, is it, it can be much more. Um, uh, it can be much more valuable to the to the area than you might think. Because, like, what I said is that... Because there's just not the competition for it. Yeah, for sure. It, it's the main draw there. Mm-hmm. Which is totally different than in places, like I said, like Southern California, Northern New Jersey and stuff, where there isn't that. There isn't a high concentration in one particular place around it. It's very diffuse among the suburban sorts of things there. So you don't have that buildup in one place that way. And, it you know, um, it, it would be... We've seen some places where it's interesting because the we've seen a few places where the land was potentially much more valuable than I thought because of the very specific location that we saw. Mm -hmm. So um, we spent some time looking at some things in specific states and stuff where I was like, Oh, this, the actual location is not as valuable as you might think though. The state is, you would think based on the state and the county and stuff that it might be more interesting than it is, but it's actually not that well situated or whatever. Whereas in another case, I'm like, wow, I thought this would be very rural land, but it's actually in, like basically in a rural city. Um, it's a small city in but a, a rural population area. Center in but, the, yeah. Yes, but because they actually own land that they're not using for residential purposes that's touching things that could be developed, it does give you a very different feel for it. And you would never guess that without,
1: you know, being there. I always think it's interesting how I could know when we're in like a less populated or rural area without looking it up just from the brands that Mm -hmm. i'm seeing so it's like if i start to see a bunch of like hunt brothers pizza and stuff like that i know we're kind of in the middle of nowhere or when we're in west virginia and i saw a u.s cellular sure phone service i'm like holy smokes i haven't seen that in like 15
0: or 20 years yeah i knew someone who worked for u.s cellular you know yeah um same thing
1: same rural area sort of thing like that yeah crazy Cool. want to thank everybody so much for tuning with Jeff and I on the Focus Compounding Podcast. Make sure you download our app by going to your app store and typing in Focus Compounding. That's where all the content goes out. Uh, we do behind the scenes videos on there as well. And uh, um, uh, investing topic write-ups from Jeff as well too. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Helps spread the word. Thank you so much for all the support and we will see you in the next podcast.